chapter there, Ezekiel 16, verse 1, Again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. And say, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother an Hittite. As for thy nativity, in the day thou wast born, thy navel was not cut, neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. But thou wast cast out in the open field, to the loathing of thy person, in the day that thou wast born. So we'll stop right there and just think on this just for a minute. So he says, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to to know their abominations, to recognize where that they have... Uh, the word abomination is something disgusting. That's the Strong's definition of that word. So something that's an abhorrence, something that's disgusting. And reveal that to the children of Israel. You know, as, as we look through this, God's desire is always that His people would ever draw closer unto Him in love and in, in honor and in reverence for His holy name. And you know, He's going to begin to reveal the abominations of Israel by showing Israel where they came from and what they were before. And I realize this is very familiar Scripture. Uh, we've heard it over and over again. And it's, it's a picture. So we're going to have here in these first few verses, He's likening Israel in their sins to an infant. Now, if we think about an infant, if we seen one in a field, we would go there and help it instantly. There's natural love in man. I, I believe that. For those that are children and, and helpless, there's a natural desire to help that. And if you're not careful, you'll think, well, we, we deserved God's help. But that's not the picture they hear. The picture is helplessness. God is trying to reveal to us the helplessness that we had when we were in sins. So what kind of birth did they have? Well, naturally, the land of Israel. If you think about where they began, Abraham was not an Israelite. Abraham was called out from among the heathen. And he says here, your, your, uh, as for thy nativity of the land of Canaan, thy father an Amorite, thy mother a Hittite, not godly people, not people that were uh, serving and seeking after God, but just like us, they were born in sin. That's the way they came forth. We came out of the womb filthy, with a natural desire for sin. That original sin of Adam passed down generation after generation. And you know, there's not been a generation that skipped over that. There's not been a, a single man of Adam's lineage 
that has missed that original sin, but all have failed guilty in that. And all, and you know, you say, well, you're saying we're guilty because Adam sinned. I believe that's the case. But I say this, because Adam sinned, sin nature came upon me, sin nature came upon you, and I was predisposed. I was naturally inclined to go towards sin. It was my natural desire. And the bigger I got, the greater sin I wanted. And that's the way we all were. Born that way of the land of Canaan. And as for thy nativity, so listen to these words. Thy birth. The word means origin through the sense of digging. You know, this truth doesn't come easy. Our origin. And because we want to think that we're good. We want to think that in each one of us, there was something, some quality that was redeemable. Something that made us worthy of God's mercy and grace and kindness. But when you really dig down to what we were, we were nothing but sinners. We were, we were self-willed. Our desire was towards ourselves. We wanted our glory. We wanted our honor. We wanted our way. And when God's way came in uh, against our way, we went against God. So you dig down to what we really were. We were children of Adam and sinners like the rest of the world. You who are dead in your trespasses and sins, following after the course of this world, the nature of this world. And as for thy nativity in the day thou was born, thy navel was not cut. He wasn't washed. The babe wasn't salted. The babe wasn't swaddled up. It was straight out of the womb and straight into the field. Now you tell me what hope that there was of anybody doing anything that's in that condition. You know, if they were a toddler, if they were uh, uh, the size of these over here, if they were the size of these, they might could run and possibly happen on somebody that could help them. But that's not the way man is. Man's not out in the world trying to find God on his own. Man is in sin. His desire is in sin. His pleasure is in sin. And it's in sin that he wants to remain. And man by self is just as helpless as an infant straight out of the womb cast into the open field. There is absolutely no hope of that babe living on its own. There's going to have to come from somewhere some compassion that's going to take this in and care for that. You, you see the picture. We can see the baby. We know that, that it can't live out there. Well, man, mankind had no hope in his sin. So far gone, that's not even strong enough a word. Man was gone. He was gone in sin. And there was absolutely no hope of ever coming out of that sin. There was no hope of me 
coming to myself on my own and turning to God for repentance. I was inclined for sin and it was in sin that I was going to go. So there was no care for the babe. You know, ain't that the way the world is? Even your dearest friends, if, if you've been saved and you had friends in the past and you look back on what they were, you know why they were your friend? For their own advantage. But as for what's really good for you, what would really benefit you, I tell you this, you you boil it all down. When it comes to coming to God Almighty, your friends of the world opposed you coming to God Almighty. Your friends argued with you about coming to God Almighty. And Peter says they're going to think it's strange that you don't run with them to the same excess of right. They despise you for that. I'll tell you, in this world and in the uh, world of man, you're not going to find any compassion for the souls of men and women that are lost and undone. i tell you what man is. He's lost and he's in sin and it pleases him when other people go farther into sin with him. No care about the soul. I've spoke with a man one time. I said, what about your children? You're big enough to know. You're big enough to make your own decision. You're big enough to turn away from God and go your own way. But what about your children? They're not big enough to do that. Did that turn him? Absolutely not. No, I'm going my own way. Opposed to Almighty God. No compassion. No pity. No love. No grace. And if you're, you think about this now, what have they got in this world? They've got a fallen race of man and the prince of the power of the air of the devil. Now who of them is going to show mercy for the soul of mankind? Man's in a dark place. None I pity thee to do anything of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. Thou was cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou was born. Well, no, this happens. This happens when you reach a certain age. And I, I understand that thinking. And I'm not going to argue that point at this point. But does man become a sinner once he reaches an age of accountability? Man's a sinner when he breaks forth out of the womb. David said, I was conceived in iniquity. That's before he came out of the womb. I tell you, man, if man is going to be left to himself, and well, you choose God, you do better, there's no hope for mankind. Just like the babe. The babe's going to have to have somebody to show mercy and compassion. And when I pass by, verse number 6, when I passed by and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Listen to that verse. Three times God belabors the point when you were in your blood. He says it three times in one verse. Letting us know where we were when God said unto us, live. Was there a standard that they had to make? 
Did they have to clean up and do good enough? What did, was it when, when once I got to seeking after God and, and really got humble, then God spoke to me? Was it that my heart turned and I was sorry for my sin and then God spoke to me? Was it I had to meet the requirements of religion and then God spoke to me? Absolutely not. I'll tell you when God spoke, it was when I was in my field. He said in Romans, God commendeth His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. I tell you, there was no seeking after God, but God came to where we were. And God said unto us, while we were in filth, and while we despised Him, and when we were in rebellion against Him, God said, live! There was no cause for God to show this mercy. I gave Him no reason to ever love me. But when I was in my blood, God said, live. That's the first thing that happens. You can say conviction. Conviction's not a bad word. You're talking about a persuasion or a convincing. Conviction's not a bad word. But I tell you what it is. It's my helplessness and my hopelessness in sin and God rings my bell. God opens my eyes. God turns on the light. God says to me, live. God brings me from the dead. However you want to say it. The Bible puts it in a lot of different ways. It's all speaking of the same thing. God is regenerating. God is awakening. God is resurrecting. And He's bringing me to the place that I see my filth. And now I begin to seek after God. Now I've got a desire to get out of the field and be delivered. But it's because... God spoke to me and said live. Now you leave God's part out. I'm dying in the field. Helpless. I'll die in the field and that's where I want to die. Man sings it proudly that we're on the highway to hell. If God don't truly open man's heart and eyes to where they're headed and the wrath of God that awaits them, they will never turn from it. They'll die in the field and they'll be happy to die there and in judgment and in hell they'll lift their eyes and you talk about a shock. That day will be a shock. But God said, live when they were in sin and in filth. And listen now, I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field. Thou hast increased and waxen great, and thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned, thine, thine hair is grown, whereas thou wast naked and bare. Now I passed by thee and looked upon thee. Behold, thy time was the time of love. I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God and thou becamest mine. So now, if you don't rightly divide it, this is, this is an awkward thing to read. So you're telling me that he's rescued an infant out of a field, and now he's marrying that infant. See, this is parables. This is not literal. This is word pictures. But he says, 
I, I brought you out of that and when we were there, we were absolutely nothing. But as a result of the work of God, you know what's happened? This, this babe is beginning to grow. This babe has received life. Because God spoke to us, we begin to have life. We begin to see our sin. God saved us. He brought us into the family. And look what He done. He made a covenant with us. That, that's to marry he brought us into His family. And I, you talk about promises. My God, what promises that God has made to His children and to His people. The Lord Jesus, uh, and in Hebrews He says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. In Matthew He says, I'll be with you always, even unto the end of the world. But the Lord Jesus says, I believe it's in Luke, not one hair of your head shall perish. He says, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. I tell you, God's made a covenant with those that are His. He said, I'll never let you you go. I'll never let you be lost again. You'll never be polluted in blood. You don't have to fear my judgment. You don't have to fear hell. You're mine forevermore. What a covenant and what a promise. A covenant that he can't forsake. He can't forsake his covenant. Because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. And if God fails to keep his promise and his oath, God ceases to be God. Now we know none of that can happen. We know it's impossible for God to lie. So when God says you're his and he's yours and you're saved, you can trust the promise and the covenant of God Almighty. His name, it ain't the church's name that rides on it. The preacher didn't sign it. But God swore by His own name and there's no greater name that the promise could come by. Secure. Entered into a covenant with thee. I covered thy nakedness and entered into a covenant. I washed thee with water, yea, thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee. And I anointed thee with oil. I clothed thee also with broidered work, shod thee with badger skin, girded thee with fine linen, covered thee with silk. I decked thee also with ornaments. I put bracelets upon thy hands and a chain on thy neck. I put a jewel on thy forehead, earrings in thine ears, and a beautiful crown upon thy head. Thou wast decked with gold and silver. Thy raiment was of fine linen and silk, embroidered work. Thou didst eat fine flour and honey and oil and wast exceeding beautiful and thou didst prosper into a kingdom. Now, you, you read over all this and see if anything, if you can find any evidence that any of this was earned. Whether God gave them the opportunity and they earned these rewards or whether God freely gave them these rewards because He loved them and cared for them. I tell you, you talk about love. There's no earning going on here. God is freely given. And that's the way salvation is. And every blessing that goes with salvation, it is freely given to us in Jesus Christ. Is that not what the Bible says? In Jesus, God has shed His love abroad upon us by the Holy Ghost of God. I tell you, He washed us from our filth and our sin. He took our guilt away. 
No more do we have to get down on our face and be guilty before God. I don't have to fear about dying and lifting my eyes in hell anymore. And He covered my nakedness. Maybe not for everybody, but for some, I say this is the case. There was a time that our life was in such disarray, we were ashamed to come and sit in the house of God. We did not want to come and sit in the house of God because of our filth and our nakedness and people that knew what we really were. We did not want to sit amongst those people. And that's why. But you know what God's done? He's covered over our nakedness. And now, wouldn't you, wouldn't you think? Think now. That shameful, lived people are sitting in the church of the living God with no shame whatsoever. I know what you used to be, preacher. You may do. But I'm in Christ Jesus now. The Lord, ain't that something? He's covered our nakedness. We don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to run and hide when the Lord passes by. We don't have to run and hide when we see the preacher out in town or we see one of the deacons or some of the church. I tell you, our desires to be with them. He's clothed us and took our shame away from us. And He's decked us with ornaments, with bracelets, with earrings, and He's made us beautiful if you'll listen, I, I didn't read 14. And thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty. Renown means a mark or memorial of individuality. By implication, honor, authority, or character. So a mark or memorial of individuality. You know what God's gave to His church, to those that He saved. You talk about a mark of individuality. The church has something that no other organization, no other nation, no other tongue, no other people on the face of the earth has. It's not a copy of the Bible. Uh, these a pile of people, thanks to the Gideons, have got copies of that. But God gave to the church something that is secret and only and reserved for her. The Holy Spirit of God. And I'll tell you what's happened. The renown of that. I believe this. I believe when you got saved. I believe when Anthony got saved. I believe when I got saved. I can remember a couple of people I talked to. When Rex, when Vaughn, when Daniel, when these folks, and when you, if you're saved, when God done a work in you, I believe the renown of that went among the heathen. That God's done a work. You know that man? God... There's something happened to that man. What was that? I'll tell you what it was. It was the work of Almighty God and the beauty that God had done in our life. The Word was being spread among the heathen. For it was perfect through my comeliness. Not thy. This has nothing to do with It's got nothing to do with what I am and what you are. Why, preacher, I'm an... I'm ugly as a mud fence. And you can't make up a mud fence. That may be true. But we're not talking about what I really am. And thank God we're not. What if we had to come and appear before God as what we truly were? But I'll tell you what we've got. God's given us His beauty. 
He is comeliness. He is, he is uh, decorations which I had put upon thee, saith the Lord God. My comeliness that I put there, saith the Lord God. So everything that we have, spiritually speaking, unearned and freely given us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and not, just, not just spiritual things either. But David said he pulled me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock. And he established my going. So there's a work done at one time. And he established me for the future. Do you see that? So that my life, even as we live today... And all that we have today, if you went back to where we were laying in the field and you just imagine that God never passes by, I wonder where we would be today. I wonder what we would have. wonder what it would look like if God never stopped by the field. Naturally or spiritually. See... We think because what we've got and what we've done that we've really done something for ourselves. But it all, what we are today, whatever that it may be, it all ties back to what God did. And if you leave God out of it, we would have never amounted to anything. Our lives would have never have mattered. We'd have passed away and left our eyes in hell and our name would have never been remembered. But because God came by and God washed our sins and guilt away and God clothed us with His beauty and God changed the course of our life and God has blessed us, Hannah says in 1 Samuel chapter 2, as she's rejoicing unto God who's blessed her, she says, it's God that maketh poor and it's God that maketh rich. It's God that lifts up the poor out of the dunghill and makes him to sit among the princes. Lifted up a man out of the dunghill and set him with the princes. Now I want you to think about where you came from. God brought you out of that filth and He's put you at the same table that Abraham, that Isaac, that Jacob that King David, that Solomon, that Peter, James, and John, and Paul all eat at. And I realize if you really dig down, they're nothing too. They came out of a dunghill too. They came out of filth too. But you know, as we look back at the faith that God gave them and the works that God wrought through them, we have high regard and respect for those men and what they were. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I tell you, we ought to recognize that God brought us out of the dunghill that we were in and He's allowed us to eat at the same table with all of the family of God. He's brought us in and not just made us a little part, not give me a little saucer with some food in it, but He's made me a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. An heir of God and a joint heir. I mean to be... If you want to be carnal, if I was to get the same inheritance that Paul got, if I got Paul's inheritance, I'm being foolish now, as man thinks. That'd be, some, that'd be more than I deserve. But I tell you what, God, God went farther than that. 
God has made me a joint heir, a co-heir, a, a co, not, not a, a 80-20, but He's made me an equal heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. From the dunghill to the prison's table, from crippled Mephibosheth and Lodibar to the king's table in Jerusalem. That's where the Lord pulled us and that's where He put us. But remember those first few verses now. Cause Jerusalem, cause Israel to know their abominations. But thou didst trust in thine own beauty. This is verse 15. And playedest the harlot because of thy renown and pourest out thy fornications on every one that passed by his it was. <clears throat> what happens? After such a beautiful, you talk about a love story, a display of love, but you know a love story would imply two people loving one another and coming together. That's not what happened here. Here's one that had no love for God and God had love, love beyond understanding. Love that delivered the only begotten Son to the cross that God could show this mercy and grace to us. That God could deliver. But you know what happens over time? God's given us all of these things. God's made us to be beautiful. And instead of trusting and continuing to be thankful to God for what we are, we begin to get used to what we are. We think we've done it our own self. We begin to trust in our own self. And our gratitude towards God begins to decline. It don't happen overnight. I don't wake up one day and I'm a hundred miles away from God. I don't wake up one day and go from praying three times a day to hardly ever praying at all. I tell you, it happens gradually. We begin to get used to what we are. We think we can do it ourselves and we forsake the one that's given us everything that we've got. Because of her renown, because of her beauty, not what. What did she have? If you're looking at the babe in the field, didn't even have the ability to live. So everything then, everything that's been attained is attributed to God. And yet, there's forgetfulness. You read that all through the Bible. Forgetfulness. I told Greg a few weeks ago, forgetfulness, that's where so often God is forsaken. God told them in Deuteronomy, as before they entered into Canaan, God says, I'm going to give you houses that you didn't build. I'm going to give you fields that you didn't plow and work for. I'm going to give you a harvest that you didn't plan or work. What's God going to do? He's going to bring them into Canaan, destroy the people that are living in there, and give them the property and the houses and the fields and the crops and the goods. And God said, take heed. Because when you go in there, it's going to be in your nature to forget that I'm the one that done this. It's going to be in your nature to forget that if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have this inheritance. And you're going to begin to chase after the goods and forget about the God that gave it. 
man thinks that he's standing on his own today. He says, Deuteronomy 6.12, Then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt. You know where Israel would have been if not for the Lord? Under Pharaoh's hand, being beaten under taskmasters, having their children thrown into the river, they would have never amounted to anything. Same picture as the babe. If you leave God out, we're never amounting to anything. There's not going to be a church at liberty today if you leave God out of it. The doors would have went shut long ago. There would have been nobody saved. There would have been nobody coming to God. But ain't it something? Thank God for what we've got. But let us recognize this, that it's God's hand that's given us everything that we have. Don't forget the Lord and His goodness. Thou playedest the harlot because of thy renown and pourest out thy fornications on everyone that passed by. So what's she going to do? We're gonna, I'm not going to read all this just for time's sake. She's going to take the clothes that God gave her and she's going to use that to worship idols. She's going to take the earrings and the gold that God gave her. She's going to offer that to idols. She's going to take the beauty that God gave her and she's going to play the harlot. She's going to be a whore. She's going to sleep around with the beauty that God gave her. She's going to take everything that God's given. And here's the picture now. I realize that that picture is very repulsive. And I realize that we say, well, we've really not done any of that. And naturally speaking, I believe that's the truth. If I can find it, it's in this chapter. He talks about Sodom. He talks about Gomorrah. The iniquities that they committed... Israel hadn't done like Sodom had done. But Israel was more guilty. You know why? Because Sodom didn't have this love on them. No, we're not living like a lost and dying world. But is that really something to be proud of? That I'm better than some unregenerate man that's still lost in sins? Here I am. God has delivered me from darkness and from sin. He's given me life. He's filled me with His Spirit. He's brought me into the church. And here I am. I'm just living, living better than old unregenerate man down the road. Living better than that unsaved woman that lives beside me. I mean, what, what have we said when that's the way that we think and that we believe? But I tell you, God's given blessing. God's given favor. God's given love. God's given grace. And God is often forgotten and forsaken. Often God is not shown any thankfulness for what He's gave us. And of a truth, from salvation to everything in life, it all comes from the hand of Almighty God. So He says in verse 22, I'm skipping, I know... And in all thine abominations and thy whoredoms thou hast not remembered the days of thy youth when thou wast naked and bare and wast polluted in thy blood. You know what's wrong here? There's no remembrance. Do you know what happens when man's love grows cold and he falls away from God and there's no affection whatsoever for God? Man's forgotten 
where he came from. He says, and Peter, he that forgetteth, he that lacketh these things, is blind, can't see afar off, and has forgotten that he was once purged from his own sins. We've, we've been in the way so long. God's blessed us with such beauty and such wonderful life and goodness in this life. As time goes on, we've lived here this long, we begin to think we got it our own way. And we forsake the God that's given all of it to us. He says here in Ezekiel, remember. Peter says they've forgotten. He says in Revelation... You've left your first love. Remember from whence thou hast fallen and repent. There ought to be a looking back as he says, I believe it's in Isaiah 66, look back to the hole of the pit from whence you were dug out. Look back to where, if you leave God out, where you would be and where your life would be. If God were not in it, and God help us to uh, to remember the goodness that God has shown it, and let us not credit ourselves for any part of that work. Not think that we've done anything to earn that. So she's going to go on. She's going to provoke. Listen to verse thirty-three. They give gifts to all whores, but thou givest thy gifts to all thy lovers and hirest them, that they may come unto thee on every side for for thy whoredom. And the contrary, that means reverse, the reverse is in thee from other women in thy whoredoms, whereas none followeth thee to commit whoredoms, and in that thou gavest a reward, and no reward is given unto thee. Therefore thou art contrary. So maybe that sounds confusing, but I believe it's quite easy to understand. You know the way prostitution works? Here's a woman willing to sell herself. The man that's willing to pay for, or the woman that's willing to pay, doesn't matter. Whoever's willing to pay, they're willing to go give. They give their self for a reward. But here, he says the church, this people, Israel, this people, they're not even doing it for a reward. But they're giving their reward out to commit whoredoms. So what, what do we gain by going away from God? Is there any gain by me forsaking and being ungrateful towards God? Is there any gain towards me taking the love and fidelity that I owe to God for what He's done for me? Is there any gain to me putting that in other places in this life? Is there any gain to me turning away from God and turning towards the things of the world. No, I tell you what it's doing. It's costing me. I'm giving up. I'm bringing myself down. I'm casting aside the gifts that God's given me in order to forsake. I'm the one. I'm, God's not losing. But I am. The reputation that God blessed us with, how quickly... That can be lost. You didn't have a good reputation before, did you? You didn't have a good name. No, I tell you what they said about me. They said that's a filthy mouth man. He ain't worth the ground he stands on. He's garbage, and he's trash. Mamas and daddies would say you don't want nothing to do with him. 
Ain't that the reputation you had? And God blesses, God saves, God washes, God makes a new creature, and if we're not careful, we'll forsake God, and we'll take the new reputation that God's given us, and I tell you, God's name goes right with us, and we run it down. No, it's, it's us. We're gaining nothing from this relationship. And this is why, this is why God says, show them their abomination. Show Israel why their sin is such a detestable and despicable thing. It's because of the love that God has shown us. Sodom and Gomorrah, why, they're way more wicked than we are. They are. They've had none of the love that God's shown you. If you're not careful, your eye's going to go to people in the community that are sinful, that are wretched, that are wicked, and you're going to say, I am far better than them. When the truth in the eyes of God, we're far more guilty than they are because of the goodness and the provision that God has made for us. But you know, if, if this were us now, if you were God and in His place and you do this work and you give this great expense and you make this great payment and you pour forth all of this love onto your spouse and then they go cheat, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to run them off as fast as you can. And you're probably going to run through the community and you're going to let everybody know what they've done and why you run them off. Ain't you? That's exactly what you're going to do. You're going to let that be known. But do you know what God does? God covers it up. I, my wife said this morning while she was testifying, undeserved that God would pass. That's the way it is so often. So often, we've not lived deserving of anything. And God passes by and lets us enjoy His presence. And God covers our sin. And God don't let other people see just how we've been all week long. Ain't you glad that's the way God is? I tell you, God could just wad us up and take us out of this world. God said to Moses, stand back. I'm going to destroy Israel. And the nation up out of you. I tell you, God could take us everyone out of here and build a church out of new people, but God's love and mercy and compassion is so much greater than ours. No, God says in Hosea, you ought to read the book of Hosea sometime. God commands Hosea to marry a whore. He marries her. She gets pregnant, and it's not Hosea's child. She gets pregnant again, and it's not Hosea's child. And she runs off, and you know where she's at the next time you see her? She's on the auction block selling herself to the highest bidder. You know what God tells Hosea to do? You go down to the auction block, and you buy her back. Boy, that's... That's reaching too far. 
How many times has God bought us back when we've went and went away and, and sold ourselves? And you know what God says? My God, Hosea chapter 11, verse 8. How shall I give thee up, Ephraim? How shall I deliver thee, Israel? God says, how can I let you go? How can I give thee up? How can I deliver thee to the destroyer? God's desire is to be merciful. God's desire is for recompense. God's desire is that we would turn away and turn back to Him. One more place and I'll hush. And like I said, that's a lot unsaid in Ezekiel 16. But in Hosea 14... The last chapter of Hosea. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say unto Him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. You know what the call of God is to a disobedient and rebellious people is return to me I'll take you back I'll wash your iniquity away I'll receive you and take with you words I come come clean come pour it out to the Lord and I tell you what that's going to bring then we'll render the calves of our lips I tell you when God brings us back and once again sheds His love abroad in our heart, we'll have something to offer God out of our lips. That's what He's saying. So in verse 3, Asher shall not save us, we shall not ride upon horses, neither will she say any more to the work of our hands, ye are our gods, for in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. You know what's being admitted here? I've got no other hope. If I stay where I'm at, I'm not going to be delivered. If I stay where I'm at, there's not going to be any joy. If I stay where I'm at, I'm going to continue to lose. God, you're the only hope that I've got. My desire is to return to you. I, I believe God will let us go. Them that are His, them that are saved, He'll let us go and choose our way. And I believe this is the reason that I might know what I really am. That I wouldn't trust in myself. That when God's hand and His goodness is pulled off, my inclination is to run to sin. But thank God that He's there saying, Return to me. I will heal their backslidings. I will love them freely. For mine anger is turned away from Him. That's God's promise. He told Solomon, if my people which are called by my name would humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and seek this place, if they'd be willing to do that, I will hear from heaven. I tell you what a promise that we've got. The church isn't cast aside today. My God, I've heard people say the devil's took over the church. I tell you, the devil ain't took over the church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The church is still in the hand of God. Does that mean we can't fall away? No, I tell you, God lets us know what we are so that we won't take any glory to ourselves. But God says, return and I'll freely love. Freely. Without a cause. 
if I'm going to give you something for free, if Walmart is giving away something for free, that means you're going to get it at no expense to yourself. I didn't have to have the money to buy it, pay for it. It was free. We understand that meaning, and that's very close. But the meaning here is without a cause. Without a cause. You can see how closely those two definitions line up. Why would God love us? I mean, God's already loved us. God saved us. God's forgiven us. God's changed us. God set us. He's blessed our lives immensely. My God Almighty, God makes no promise of money or riches or of family or of wives or of children or of grandchildren. God makes no promise of a good job. He makes no promise of health insurance. He makes no promise of good health. And yet God time and time again pours out blessing and goodness and mercy upon us. He makes rich. He gives abundance and God is forsaken by man. Ain't it something how that is? That's the truth. God gives and gives and gives. But God says, return to me and I'll love freely. I'll love you without a cause. You don't have to earn my love. I can make her mad or she can make me mad. We got to earn our way back. Ain't that the way it is? You got to earn your way back into good graces. There ain't no earning back here. We can't earn back. We never earned it to begin with. We can't earn anything back with God. But God says freely, if you'd come to me, if you'd say what you are, say what you were, if you'd say what you've done, if you'd say I've got no hope, I've got no deliverance, I've got no joy, God would without a cause forgive you and restore you again. Don't think you earn it. But God in His goodness, I will be as due unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. He says at the last of Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 60, Nevertheless, I will remember my covenant with thee in the days of thy youth, and I will establish unto thee an everlasting covenant. Ain't you glad that what you've got is based solely on the work of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit? That He showed so much love and kindness and still every single one of us forget about Him day by day. We forget to be thankful to Him day by day. And God has not thrown us away, but bids us to come to Him. May God help us.